0: Welcome in everybody to another episode of Scurry in the Scrub. Uh, continuing our special editions of uh basketball previews. Where we we've got Creighton men's basketball head coach Greg McDermott on tonight. Um, and we're gonna break down the 2021, 22. These years are flying by, man. I swear. It was 2012 when I first started doing this. Yesterday. It was. Yeah. Yesterday was. Seriously, it's craziness. Mac's probably way sick of me by now. Um, and Scar wasn't even a Blue Jay yet, so. Man, uh, I remember
1: listening to you my freshman year, and now I get to be on it with you. That's an right. Honor.
0: The, pl- the pleasure is mine, sir. Um, yeah, Mac, we appreciate you coming on to take out time out of your night. You got a game tomorrow, so, I mean, you're, you're, your hours are precious. So Let's go. We appreciate you. To,
2: well, the good news for you guys is I don't have any film on Arkansas Pine Bluff, so it's, it's not like I've got any more I can do, so. I'm actually going to start a little film on Kennesaw State tonight, so we'll we'll roll with that. But nice, yeah. I think you're I saw, about uh, two th- you're talking about 2012. I'm this is my 33rd year starting tomorrow. Like I think Scurry was nine years from being born when I started, if my math's correct. So uh, I've been at this a little bit too long. That's kind of what I, I did want to ask you about that, and I
0: figure uh, you just gave me the perfect opportunity. But you know, so much of what you've um, wanted to do as a head coach in terms of your, like, your goals of, like, as a Creighton head coach was, you know, getting Creighton to that next level, right? So much was made of the fact that they hadn't done that in kind of the modern era. Um, And then you win the Big East regular season title. You get the one seed uh, two seasons ago. You get the Sweet 16 last year, which hadn't been done since the 70s. What's motivating you now after you've crossed off? You checked those boxes, and there were such huge boxes for, Creighton nation, like what's, what's up, what's, what's
2: going, what what keeps you going now? Well, when we first started talking about this, Matt, we were in the Valley and mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to just elevate and be, uh, you know, be a national player at the mid major level at that time. I mean, thinking we're going to be in the big East was farthest from any of our minds at that point in 2012. I mean, I didn't think any of us thought that was a possibility. Um, you know, and and Skr will tell you, he played for me. It's, you know, I'm just, I've always been about, I'm not a crazy goal setter, uh, but I just, I really felt like if we could make a Sweet 16 at some point that the story of Creighton would get told and everybody would know what a special situation we had here. Now, moving to the Big East and and that first team being as successful as it was kind of told the story. I think everybody found out, that anybody who didn't know about Creighton, Uh, That year found out and the the team was successful. Uh, Doug had a terrific year. We had a, you know, a once in a lifetime game against Villanova where he opened the game with 9-3. So there was a lot of attention in our program and I think people figured out what we were all about. So with this young group, it's just been, let's get better guys. Like we got to get better today. And, you know, we're going to make some mistakes and we got to be able to play through those mistakes and, and try to get, get our heads back in the game as quickly as possible. And, you know, that's usually you're dealing with one, two, three guys that maybe are part of the rotation as freshmen. Um, and now we're dealing with, you know, the five new guys plus Rati and Mo, uh, who essentially are freshmen as well, cause they didn't play last year. So really it's, you could stop every play if you if you wanted to. And we as a staff have just had to let them play through some things and see if we can't improve as a result.
0: Yeah. This is, is this
2: the youngest team you think you've
0: ever had? Like, have you thought about that at all? If I would completely... Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no question. They're like an AAU
2: team. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. You, I'm looking at it. My guess is there's some, you know, Skur knows this growing up on the East Coast. There's, there's, there's probably a few of those prep school teams, uh, those post grad teams out in the East Coast that have a, have, their average oh, age sure. is probably <laughs> higher than ours. So, uh, but, uh, you know, they, th- these, this group has come to work every day. <laughs> They've been awesome to coach uh, a lot of fun to coach. And, uh, you know, it's, I think that in itself is, is re re energize me because you, you, you know, you last year, you know, you're there and you're practicing and you're teaching. But are, are you really teaching or are these guys just listening to you because it's part of the process? You know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you have to teach this year and, you know, we have to be engaged. And, um, you know, last year, I think maybe myself or one of the assistants could have an off day and practice and we'd, we'd still accomplish something. This year, we we've got to be on point uh, because we have so many young guys that are looking to us for direction.
0: Skr and I talked about this, I think after uh, it might have been right after you guys beat Ohio, but it was one of the podcasts after that where, um, and it wasn't like to take away anything that, that you guys had done, but it just felt like this making the basic 16 didn't have the, the kind of attention it deserved because the players didn't get, get to come back to the airport and go to campus and kind of like soak in what that moment is. You know, there was so much isolation that it was almost like a business trip. Does that, Motivates you to get back to that so you can, the players can experience that a little bit? Yeah,
2: And I always feel, I always feel a void for last year's team Uh, and the year before team, the year year before that, uh, while we're talking about it. I mean, that team won a Big East championship, uh, you know, was going to be a two or three seed in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, that was a team that really needed to be celebrated because they had an incredible year. Um, And, you know, not only did we not celebrate it, everybody went their own way. You know, the, that day uh, when they canceled the tournament and we never got together ever again. So that that was difficult. And then last year's team, um, you know, and Scur remembers what it was like, um, you know, Big East tournament. When you come back to the hotel after a big win, I mean, the place is jumping. And the, the, the you go to the next game and the lobby is packed shoulder to shoulder uh, as you as you're walking to the bus. I mean, those are things that I'm sure Jordan will tell you, you don't ever forget. And, and as good a team as we had last year, we didn't get to experience any of that. And to your point, you know, going back to the hotel after you win an NCAA tournament bid or game and celebrating with your fans and the guys celebrating with their families, that's part of the experience. And not only did we not get that, but to your point, you know, when you make a sweet, sweet 16, you come back to campus for four days Mm -hmm. and you know, just think what that would be like on our campus and in our community, it would have been incredible for our guys. And and I always feel bad that they didn't get to experience that. Uh, But, you know, I hope, I hope people understand what a special group that was. Yeah, for sure. No yeah, I'm glad, I'm
1: glad you touched on that because I've talked about that many times. Like, even
2: when it all
1: went down last year during the NCAA tournament, I felt even so bad from uh, my relationships, you know, with all the guys that I had known from the team just for my senior year. So for them not to have that Omaha experience, I'm glad, like, we, we we tried to highlight it on this podcast a little bit because we know how much the Omaha community means to our teams and like how much it meant to me just in my years there so. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad we were able to talk about that. But that's what excites me more about this year and having fans back. Like so I'm so mu- I'm so excited for you guys to have it and have that because for something that meant so much to me, glad you guys are starting to get it back and starting to get that like because that is so much of the essence of I feel like what Creighton is now. Like that, yeah, that the that dude. interaction with the community and knowing those people who are at those games and so it's what makes me excited now like in my position like seeing you guys play and with this young team I'm excited to see you guys roll it all out there tomorrow
2: yeah we can't you know it's it was fun just the exhibition game Jordan to have some some people in the crowd and you know like today there was a family uh they had twins that were celebrating I believe their fifth birthday and you know there was like six kids and a couple you know a couple their parents were that at practice and we haven't had much of that for a year and a half, you know, and as you know, we had people rolling through there all the time because to your point, you know, we, I think we have a responsibility, you know, Omaha does a lot for us. They've supported us and our community's just been terrific to us. And I just feel like that's our way to, of giving back. You know, if, if somebody can bring their twins by for their birthday and we can go over and high five those kids, the guys can and sing them happy birthday. I mean, that's a, a lifelong memory for those kids. And um, I, I think we have a, an obligation to do that. And, um, you know, I really enjoy it. And I think our I think our guys enjoy
0: it. Uh, let's let's jump into the team here and kind of learn about these guys a little bit. And honestly, it the this whole analysis that we have here tonight, it might change in two months. That's just kind of the nature of a young group, right? Um, and I, but I wanted to start with the walk ons because this is a walk-on friendly podcast, right? We, we respect the walk-ons. Um, the first thing I wanted to ask you before I ask you about these guys individually is, um, just the, the type of people you've had in those positions over the years. Is it, do you look for a certain type of personality because it's such like a, and this is the media's fault, honestly, like it's a thankless position like you don't get the limelight but you have to do a lot of work you have to show up early to practice you have to be you have to know the scout better than anybody you have to to get your guys prepared for the game um there's so much that goes into building the culture that starts with that walk with those walk-ons that like it just doesn't get the limelight for it but like do you look for a certain type of personality to fill those roles
2: Absolutely. And first of all, Skur, I saw you smile when I was drinking this. This is water, not vodka. I could see the look on your face. Same. Don't
1: worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's a it's a Monday. Uh, yeah. yeah. If we did this on a Friday, maybe. But it's a maybe Monday. In
2: trouble. Yeah. No. It, you know, Matt, that's a great question, and and you know, you want to make sure that your walk-ons. First of all, Jordan wanted to walk on every year. He earned a scholarship. That's true of the years and was very deserving of that. And I'll never forget uh, when we, when, he, when we broke that news to him, that was a pretty cool moment, not just for him, but for all of his teammates and for all of us as well. Uh, but uh, you know, you, you, you want people that, that are going to enhance your culture and, and different players have different skill sets to do that. Obviously Jordan, was able to really do it with his voice. You know, he was a very positive influence in the locker room. He was very positive influence in practice on a daily basis. And, you know, he played a little bit with Tyler Clement, you know, who, you know, just lived the game and, and, you know, he could look at a sheet of paper once with eight plays and he had it in one minute and was able to not only correct his teammates, but sometimes correct his coaches Mm. on where people were supposed to be. So, you know, we've been, we've been very particular with who, who we've added. And Jordan was someone that, that, you know, Steve Lutz had watched in high school and was aware of what he was capable of. We watched Tyler commit, we watched Jed Canfield. uh, We watched Sammy Osmani. We watched uh, Xander who's with us now. Devin Davis kind of fell in our lap, uh, you know, and he, he's ended up being a, a really, really good uh, player force. And, you know, in practice today, he's playing the, you know, Arkansas Pine Bluffs best guy. And he just did a terrific job. And, you know, Jordan will remember this. And I've said it many times in practice. Matter of fact, I said it today and I, I I told my, I went over to coach Huss and said, I'm, I'm not sure that this group isn't running this stuff better than Pine Bluff will run it tomorrow night. And, you know, doing the defensive things that we need to have done and the physicality with which we wanted him to do it. So it's a, it's a very important part, Uh, of our program. And, you know, and those guys are, you know, walk-on to me is just, I mean, you, you have to say it, but Mm -hmm. I I, I hope that Jordan never felt like a walk-on and, and we try to treat Devin and Sammy and Xander, like there's no difference. They get everything that everybody else gets, they get treated the same. And, you know, even, even this year with the NIL, uh, NIL situation, the, the, the event that we had, you know, those guys were able to get some money as well because the guys wanted a team approach to it. And those guys are a very, very important part of our team. Jordan never acted like a walk-on that's
0: for damn sure I couldn't tell. Walking in the gym.
1: <laughs> no, that's why I'm glad you brought it up though, because, and I'm glad you highlighted guys like TC um, and just other guys, even like Mo Guinea, like uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of guys, you know, who just, I think as a walk-on and what's great about, the role that it has at Creighton is it, it it's such a unique position and in all respects, like whether it's me, TC or whoever, like we, you, you all, we all found our lane, I think where you provide value to the team. And I think seeing the guys now, that's why I want, we wanted to ask about it because you see the role that they're able to play. And like you saying like them, their demonstration of how they've been able to, you know, play better than who you're playing is something I, definitely can relate to and it's just like where you can see the role at Creighton it's it means a lot to guys and you can see it with these guys so glad to see that they're finding their way and providing that value
2: now Matt he didn't look like a walk-on very often but uh I hate to do this to Jordan but there was about a two-day period where I've never seen it in 33 years of coaching but he got the Um, yips from the free throw line. I remember you, you were there remember like yeah he literally shot the ball a 15 foot shot like 10 feet and he yeah. had a, I'll never forget the look on your face you, Jordan you had this look like what in the heck just happened? That so we one. flipped. We flipped it back to him, and he did it again. <laughs> like it was, he was shaking his head and trying to get the cobwebs out of his head. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen for someone that was as good a shooter as Jordan. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it just it just left him, and he and he didn't know what happened. I remember that. It was, one. Like, it was like
0: Space was... Jam. Like they came with like <laughs> your basketball powers.
1: Man, that was the one because it was right before the Australia trip. So I don't know if it was something about me getting the yips for that, but. Yeah. I, to this day, I don't remember. I, I've told the story on the podcast. I think I stayed after practice for like an hour, yeah. hour to try ripped, to figure it out. You but... rip
0: your shirt off and went and shot on the gun on like the far court, like all by yourself. <laughs> you're like, get away from everybody. I'll deal with this. I'll handle this. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. let's, uh, uh, we, we, we wanted to group this by positions this year. Um, just because there's so much that, there's so many new faces on this team. We could talk about them for two hours. Um, but starting with your point guards, like I know Reef's been, you know, in and out of practice a lot this, this preseason, especially with the offseason surgery he had and everything. But um, you kind of know what what he's going to bring to the table. Um, how does he pair with Ryan Nemhardt And what was that like when you did get to see them in practice together? What were those, um, those reps like for those two?
2: Well, when they were out there together, it was really fast. <laughs> I was, I was watching film one night when, when I had them on the same team and they were out there for a stretch together and it was, it was like a video game. I mean, they were flying up and down and, you know, it really forces the three guys on the floor with him. Like you better run, you know, because these dudes are just flying it at an incredible pace. Um, uh, Sharif finally had a practice jersey on again today nice. uh, for the first time in a while. Uh, I joke with him. I said, you know, I see your picture on a bus going around town. I see it on a, on a, on a bench, you know, on a corner, but I haven't seen you in a practice jersey for so long. I, I forgot what it looked like. Uh, so he was back and, you know, did some drills today. Um, you know, he's done a really good job of leading from the sideline mm-hmm. and I've been proud of him because he, you know, he, it would be easy for him to really, be down in the dumps because he missed a good portion of the summer uh, with the foot injury and was in a boot cast and a boot and everything that goes with recovering from that injury. And then he comes out of that. um, And then, you know, we have this issue. So, uh, you know, rather than sitting on the side and moping, he's been involved in the huddles and talking to the guys before and after practice and just really proud of him. And, you know, Reef played his best basketball as a Blue Jay at the end of last season. You know, Mm -hmm. we played he and Marcus together a fair amount. Um, and I think we could play him and Ryan together some, uh, or R2, I'll call him, because if I say Ryan, you're not going to know which R2. Ryan I'm talking about. Uh, but he, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be really good. He was shooting the ball well, and obviously defensively he's elite. Um, and, you know, his leadership, I think he's really embraced that role, and we're going to need him to, frankly. And then Ryan Nemhard, like, you know, it seems like he's
0: prototypical for what you guys like to do, right? But there, he is a true freshman. There's gonna be growing pains, right? How has, the, yeah. how, how has he navigated that so far?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, it's been amazing, really, Matt. He's he's. Uh, I don't know that if I've had a. I, I know I have it. I mean, you know, as I think back, you know, Doug's adjustment from high school to college, those first three or four weeks of practice, it it, it was it hasn't gone. It wasn't as smooth as what Ryan's has been and it might be Doug, you know, Ryan play is played on an international stage, mm-hmm. for you know, the better part of the last two or three years, he was playing against pros when he was at Mount Verde, you know, when he was a sophomore and junior and the guys he had to guard and practice every day while he was waiting his turn uh, to lead his team to a national championship. Um, you know, he's played with elite players and nothing, nothing really bothers him. And it's, it's been fun to see. And, and I said this the other day to someone, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of teams that when Sharif's in the game, they don't bring the ball up against Sharif. They just pass the ball to somebody else and let somebody else bring it because they want to deal with that pressure. Yeah. Uh, and about a week or seven, eight, nine days into practice, I said to my staff, I said, you know, I just thought of something. Like Sharif has been practicing against R2, and not one time did I notice that R2 felt uncomfortable. And Sharif makes everybody feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been really pleased with his progress. Is you know he's got he's got to become more vocal, uh, which he will. Uh, but you know he's 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 leading by example when he when he addresses his teammates and it's in a positive way. Uh, he's got a lot of a, and you know Skurr will remember this. He's got a lot of Maurice Watson in him. He really does. He plays with pace. Um, you know you can you can throw different coverages at him and he's going to pick it apart. And I just remember when Maurice was redshirted, you know, our ball screen coverage, it didn't matter what we did. You know, when you when you commit two guys to the ball, somebody's open. And Maurice always found who was open, always. Mm-hmm. And, and R2 is very similar to that. Uh, you know, probably shoots it a little better than Maurice did when he first got here. By the end, Maurice was shooting it pretty well. Uh, so, you know, he's going to be fun to watch. Our fans are really going to enjoy him. And I know I've really enjoyed coaching him up to this point. Gotcha. So with the next two
1: guys, I think. So at that guard position, I think kind of the way we want to break this down. Um, really looking at, I guess, with Sharif being out
2: or having that injury, is it is it the hip or the groin, Mac? It's it's more the groin, and it's just groin. you know it's what those those are situations where it just takes time to heal. You know, you just uh, if if you you know if you do any type of basketball movement, it's going to irritate it, especially the way he plays. Uh, so, you know, he'll, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that we can ease him back into practice over the course of the next week. And, you know, is there an outside chance of maybe Nebraska or the Virgin islands potentially, uh, but things would have to go pretty well, I think for that to happen. And up to that point, Skir, we'll, you know, we'll use Rati as a backup at that position. He's, you know, he's, he's learning as well. And even though he was here for a little bit last year before he got hurt, um, but he, you know, he, totally different look than what R2 does. Uh, but, you know, like Ryan, uh, you know, Rottie's really got great court vision.
1: Yeah, because that was the one I wanted to ask about because I heard you say some stuff about him playing in that position. So glad to hear he can step into that role, I think, for the time being. And then the other one I did want to ask about was because um, Matt and I have been talking about how this team looks defensively a lot. And I know Trey Alexander, very talented offensive player, um, how's he looked like defensively and just like, where do you see him in rotations? What is he able to guard like position wise, like one through what what does it look like for him?
2: Yeah. I mean, if, you know, there's, it's a, it's a strange situation because you could argue that Ryan Hawkins and Arthur are the same position, but they're both too talented to just play each one of them 20 minutes and have them split time. So how do you, you know, the only way to do that is you got to get them on the floor together. some so that, so that they have the minutes that they deserve and they've earned, you know, had I chosen to go the other way and just leave them at that position, then Trey would be a starter uh, because he's played that well. He he's shot it well in practice. his assisted turnovers turnover is really good. Uh, he's not there yet, but I've seen signs of him having the potential to be an elite defender. Uh, I think he can be a, you know, a Kyrie type defender down the road. Uh, he, he's, he's got a great understanding. His dad's a coach and you can tell that he's played, you know, that he's been around basketball his whole life and he's a coach's kid. Uh, but he's going to be a really, really good player for us. Um, and he's I don't I don't know that there's anything he's elite at right now. I think we're going to work towards that but there's also not a glaring weakness in his game, which for freshmen, that's very atypical. Um, you know, he's, he'll, he'll be a key rotation player for us from day one. Um, while we're on the while we're on
0: your wings, kind of like the one guy on this roster who has a ton of kind of high level D one experience that you can kind of lean on is Alex O'Connell. And I'm curious, how does that, how has that translated so far into a leadership role because whether it's there from a comfort standpoint with just something he does naturally, it's got to be kind of there by default, doesn't it? Because of his experience.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he hasn't had the type of experience that he's going to have this year and you know, mm-hmm. he's always been in a secondary role and, you know, now all of a sudden the, the, you know, the, the role has changed and he's, he's in a huge leadership role and, you know, we're going to need him to be extremely consistent and probably almost unrealistically consistent. Yeah. Uh, given his experience, you know, he, he was thrown into impossible situation last year where, you know, you're, you're lifting four days a week with Jeremy, you're, you're getting shots up, you're getting extra workouts in outside of practice. You're not really held accountable to know any of the offensive sets because your red shirt, you're sitting out, And then all of a sudden we approach him and say, well, tomorrow you're eligible. (laughs) So, you know, that's that's a tough hat to wear all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And he did a really good job with it uh, and, you know, provided some really good minutes for us off the bench. But his leadership has been great, especially the last two or three weeks. Uh, He played very well against Missouri. Uh, He played very well against Upper Iowa, very efficient. And then defensively, you know, he, we're asking him to wear another hat too. He's, he's going to have to guard one of the other team's better players. And he's got to be able to embrace that. Uh, and I'm, I'm hopeful for kind of a metamorphosis similar to Tyshawn. You know, Tyshawn, as Skur knows, Tyshawn wasn't exactly a go-to defender his first couple of years. And then we just kind of said, you're it. We don't have anybody else can do it. So you, we want you to embrace this. And to Ty's credit, he did that and became one of the best defensive guards in the big East that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, am hopeful that, that Alex can follow that same path.
0: Yeah. The, the interesting thing with, uh, with Alex, I mean, the St. John's performance at home when you guys were short, Marcus stands out cause he shot the ball really well, but the one that I remember a lot is the big East tournament game against UConn and his rebounding. What type of, um, value does that provide? Knowing that you've got a guard slash wing that can rebound the ball like he can.
2: Do you remember how bad we were rebounding last year, Matt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, last te- last year's team had just so many strengths, but rebounding the basketball was not one of them. Mm. Uh, you know, we just, uh, you know, we, we and and for the reason that you mentioned, like really, if you think about last year's team you know, Christian all the time was, he was tied up in a blockout. So he was in a wrestling match every time the shot went up. And usually it's your wings that can fly in and, you know, make a play on the ball. But Denzel wasn't a great vertical athlete. Mitch wasn't a great vertical athlete. Marcus wasn't a great vertical athlete. DJ was really kind of the only guy that could do it. Um, And he got some rebounds out of his area that were pretty incredible. Alex is a, is an elite rebounder for a guard. He's an elite cutter for a guard. And I think just having him on the floor is going to provide a lot of help on both the defensive glass and the offensive glass. And, you know, we'll talk about Arthur in a little bit, but Arthur's an elite rebounder. So, mm-hmm. you know, we spent we've spent a lot of time on rebounding, you know, more than I have, you know, for sure in the last four or five years, up until the first game, you know, rebound is kind of one of those things. You start to stink. So you, you know, you, you make sure you get some drills a couple of days in a row. I mean, we've pretty much drilled it every single day and Skurr remembers some of those drills. They're not the most fun drills in the world. Uh, but uh, you know, he's, he's uh he's a great rebounder for a guard and is really going to help us in that regard.
0: Yeah. There's a reason you guys kill, take a water break before you put the plug in. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the plug. <laughs>
1: Do I remember the plug? You
2: never want to see that plug, do you? Oh,
1: that was always the fun
0: one.
2: Uh, Jordan, you want to ask about
0: Arthur? Yeah, no.
1: So, yeah, that's a th- that's a fun one because I think you just highlighted it too very well with that. I think even rebounding specifically with Arthur. Arthur and Ryan I think is unique, and I, I do have to highlight it here. You said on Nick's podcast, you know, those those two guys had really shown you something in practice. Um, and just earn like the ability to play on the floor together what specifically are you seeing something specifically from the two of them on the floor together or is it something just like you can see it rotationally those two guys really being able to provide that role of rebounding in both shooting um well wherever it is just kind of touch on that
2: well you know jordan you're as you're gonna see the there's some negatives to having them on the floor together, you know, because, you know, Ryan Hawkins played, he not only didn't play power forward at Northwest Missouri, he played center. So, you know, he's moving to the three. I just felt like, uh, and Skir, you know, this, you know, there's not a lot of difference in our system between two and three, but there is a lot of difference between three and four. And I didn't want to put that on Arthur the first year of having to learn both. So I asked Hawk to do it. And, you know, Hawk's figuring out kind of how to bend out there, the position and the angles he needs to take to survive. Uh, You know, he technique wise and fundamentally as a rebounder, he's really, really good. But the bottom line is, if you don't, if you don't figure out a way to get them on the floor together, they're both going to get around 20 minutes and that's not enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they're, they've, they've proven in practice with their consistent play that they need to be on the floor 25 minutes plus for us, I think, to have our best chance to be successful. So that's why I decided to start them both because, you know, frankly, they both earned it. Um, So, you know, it's uh, uh, that we can play a lot different. You know, you you move Hawk to the four if Arthur's out or vice versa, and you bring in Trey and you bring in another ball handler, you bring in Rati, you bring in another ball handler, or when Sharif's healthy, you know, you bring in another ball handler there, or you, you know, you bring a guy like Christophilus off the bench can really shoot it. So, um, you know, we, we've, we've got a lot of options, but I have to figure out a way to, to get those guys some minutes.
0: When we, before we move on to the bigs a little bit, I wanted to ask you about John Christophelus and Mason Miller, you know, the, again, with these freshmen, you're going to have like a lot of head spinning moments. And I'm wondering how those two have navigated through that as they try to find, you know, where, like Jordan talked about earlier, finding a lane to provide value on this current roster. How have John and Mason handled that so far?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's been up and down. And, and you know, those two uh, have had some really good times and they've had some times when they've struggled for different reasons. And, uh, you know, our system offensively, uh, you know, while we play with a lot of freedom, we do have some set plays that we want to take advantage of put guys in certain situations and create the mismatch or the look that we want out of that action. So you have to, you know, you have to learn a lot there. And then as Jordan will tell you too, why we play with a lot of freedom offensively, defensively, the scouting report is pretty detailed. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we may guard one guy in a ball screen one way and the other guards on the floor, we guard a totally different way. So there's a, you have to remember a lot on the fly when you're playing hundred miles an hour and, and every freshman adjusts, differently to that. Um, you guys will be the first to know. I give you the scoops all the time, Matt. Uh, Mason Miller's going to redshirt. Okay. Uh, I've had some uh, had a good talk with his, his dad uh, two or three days ago, and, uh, and then a subsequent conversation with Mason. And Mason's going to be, he's not going to be good, he's going to be great. Uh, but he reminds me a little bit of Justin Patton in that Justin wasn't ready to play as a freshman. And almost every reason he wasn't ready is because he wasn't strong enough. And as soon as he got stronger, like we, we saw the results. You know, he, his, di- the difference between Justin Patton as a freshman and Justin Patton as a sophomore were totally two, two different human beings in terms mm-hmm. of their ability to play. Uh, and I think Mason can make a similar jump. I think if we can add 10 or 15 pounds of muscle to that frame, his ability to play through contact, he, he shot the ball extremely well. One of the he shot it as good as anybody on our team, um, but just the things he's going to need defensively and to survive on the glass, um, and then to finish through contact when he gets in the paint. I think a year with Jeremy Anderson will be huge for him. So I'm excited about that, and I think frankly, I think I think Mason is, and I know his, I know Mike was really on board with it uh, when we had the discussion. So we've got a plan for him both in the weight room and from a nutrition standpoint and and outside of practice time that we'll execute to make sure that he takes full advantage of this year. And, you know, John, John hasn't shot the ball uh, in practice as well as I know he's capable of shooting it. Um, and I, I just think it's going to be one of those things when it clicks, it's going to click and it's going to be a, you know, it's, it's going to be a landslide. You know, there's, it's going to all happen at once and uh, because he's too good of a shooter Uh to to not be shooting 40-plus percent in practice. Uh, But he's works extremely hard, and he's picked up things, and defensively he's been a a great communicator. He runs the floor extremely well. And, you know, he's going to see some minutes, especially early, and, uh, you know, he'll be ready when his number is called. I remember a uh, young freshman named Mitchell Ballack who
0: needed about four or five set plays against Bemidji State run for him to get his shot uh, confidence back. And by the end of that career, he was shooting from the parking lot. So I trust when you say that John's got a chance to break out of it, that he will. Um
1: But before we get off this shooting topic, because I know you keep track of everything, Max, who has right. shot the ball, who has shot the ball the best, I guess, from the three. Uh, uh, and just field goals this year.
2: In you know, Hawk has shot it really well. Uh Arthur shot a really good percentage in practice. He hasn't shot it great against Missouri or against upper Iowa, but I I think, I think that'll all take care of itself. Uh, uh, Trey shot it really well. Uh, You know, R2 has certainly shot it uh, well above average uh, from the three point line. Um, Mason, Mason, as I mentioned, has shot it, shot it well. Uh, John, John is probably the one who's probably, Uh, underperformed in that regard uh, but probably also the one that I'm least worried about Uh, I I remember back when Doug was a freshman and if like I think he started the year two of 22 from the three-point line yeah yeah and and those you know I remember in the staff one day, it might have been Murph like are we are you sure we should be allowing Doug to you know shoot this many threes and I'm like listen (laughs) I worry about a lot of things and there's a lot of things that keep me awake at all but Doug's three-point shooting is not one of them like It all, and it all sort itself out in the future. And of course it did, but, uh, and I think John's the same way. He just, uh, once he gets in a game and he sees a couple go in, I think everything will be great. Uh, But you know, Skur, we, we, I don't, Marcus was a great shooter. Mitch was a great shooter. Denzel and DJ good shooters. Uh, You know, I, I think we're, I think we have more good shooters than great shooters. And, but, some of those, you know, Mitch's freshman year, Mitch was not a great shooter. He was, he was low thirties and so was Tyshawn. And there's a process you go through from being good to great. Part of it is what is, what are you doing outside of practice time to make sure you're trying to take yourself from good to great. And as if you continue to do that and you get accustomed to the pace and you get a better understanding of where your shots are coming from and to trust the offense and get an easier three. Cause you know, everybody, you know, all three point shots aren't created equal. And, you know, that's what I tried to explain to our team the other day, because we had a stretch against upper Iowa where we took three off the dribble, three point shots in consecutive possessions. And I talked to him about that. you know, the difference, even being the NBA, the difference in points per possession and efficiency on a catch and shoot three versus an off, of, off the dribble three. And it's significant with the best players in the world. So freshmen of course, aren't going to shoot that shot as good. And, and that's what we're trying to get, make sure we're shooting the right ones. And it's a fine line I walk because I try to, in recruiting paint as clear a picture and as honest a picture of what I think things are going to be like. And, we've sold this let it fly mantra and that's who we want our program to be. And that involves a lot of freedom. Uh, Fortunately for us, we've had guys that have kind of understood to Jordan's point, guys that kind of stand their lane and understand what's a good shot for me. And as freshmen, you don't know that yet. And, and that's some of the things you're going to see us go through with this young group is like, you know, what, what's a good shot for Hawk might not be a good shot for Arthur quite yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had a lot of those conversations and, and again, I walk a fine line because I don't want them to be tentative because a tentative shooter is not going to make a shot. I want them to be aggressive. I want them to feel like, uh, you know, they, they can, they can attack the basket and, and find the shot that they want to find. Uh, but uh, you know, I also want to make sure we're winning games and, and shooting the right shots. Uh,
0: Jordan's a big Ryan Cockburn fan. So I'm going to let him ask about, but i'll ask about um a little bit about ryan hawkins so i'm kind of curious that's a that's a dude who's been through done a lot of winning now it's at d2 level so there's there's a difference i guess a little bit there but he just there's something in the practices we've seen um that it just it all that leadership stuff just comes naturally to him he's such a great i even saw it this summer we were talking about it remember jordan I've never seen someone communicate so much defensively in summer league in my life. And I was like, if that's what he's like on a daily basis, this is a different dude. What's that been like in practice every day?
2: It's been a godsend. Uh, You know, it is, uh, I could not have in my mind created a fit for what this team needs as well as Ryan Hawkins has. And the basketball side of it has very little to do with that statement. It's just, He comes to practice every day, really positive attitude uh, is able to communicate and correct his teammates, but doing it in a non-threatening, non-demeaning way where he's, where you genuinely, when you're talking to him, know that, Hey, this dude is trying to help me. And uh, it's, it's been awesome for our team. I just, I love the way he communicates. He's, he's, he's a lot like Jahans in that regard and that he's, Pretty much talking from the time we start stretching till the final huddle of practice. And that's been consistent for the 29 practices that we've had. So it, it's been, uh, he, he's been perfect for this group. And obviously, he's got a championship pedigree. He's won three national championships. Uh, he was the MVP of the D- Division II national tournament last year. Uh, so he's won at a high level and he understands you know while the levels different what what impacts winning is not different it's not different from division 3 to division 2 to division 1 there's certain things that win and there's certain things that don't and he's been able to help us as a coaching staff explain to this young team not only with his words but with his actions what wins and what doesn't and, um, uh, you know, as this group grows and they will, and, you know, with undoubtedly, we're going to have some peaks and valleys during this season. It's mm. just, if we don't, something's wrong. Uh, but when we look back, when this group is juniors and seniors, these guys are going to talk a lot about Ryan Hawkins and mm-hmm. the, they don't get it yet. They don't understand that totally yet. He might be that annoying old guy that's talking every day in practice right now but when they fast forward a couple of years and they're mature enough to kind of put their arms around all this and how did we get here? They're going to, they're going to look back to the impact that he had on them at a young age. Interesting. Um, yeah.
0: We, we touched a little bit on Arthur Kaluma. Jordan's just chopping at the bit to ask about Crockman or I can see it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Arthur, but like you want, you want to play those two together, but I imagine like there's going to be some temptation to, to get the small ball lineup back out there because it is a bit bigger of a small ball lineup, right. You won't be as compromised from a rebounding standpoint. What does Arthur's versatility um, do for you creatively when you're trying to think about, Hey, maybe we can, you know, play a little bit smaller, but it still gives us a chance to be physical. um, And, you know, in the low post and everything like that.
2: Yeah. You know, we haven't done much with the small lineup yet, Matt, simply because, you know, Colt Brenner and Keyshawn have been so good, Mm -hmm. you know, so, Sometimes you go to the small lineup because, you know, the, maybe what you had there is not perfect. And you can throw a change up without, without a doubt. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, art's Art's pretty complete for a freshman. And most freshmen can't handle the physicality of college basketball. He can It's not a problem. Mm. Uh, you know, he's, he gets downhill. He draws contract, contact. I think he'll get to the free throw line as a result of that. Uh, and as I told Jordan, he's you know he's shot it pretty well in practice from the three-point line, probably surprisingly well, uh, based on what maybe my expectation was. The the next step for him and and what I think that he really has is a, is an ability to distribute. And you know we've got to get him playing at the speed we're playing with, and still have those skills of of being able to find guys, whether it's under the basket or on the perimeter uh, with his vision. And when he can do that, we're going to be really, really difficult to guard uh, because you, you have to respect his three-point shot and you certainly have to respect his ability to, to drive it. But, you know, rebounding, you know, I, I don't know that we've had a rebounder like him for quite some time. You know, I think he's got a chance to be an elite rebounder before it's all said and done. Gotcha. it Jordan, go, <laughs> go ahead. See, you know,
0: no, he loves Colt <laughs>
1: Matt, Matt gets on me because I love, I, I I think Ryan, I think he was just scratching the surface. And I think he is really going to develop because that's amount that I watched him last year. I was just like, he's so young. He's he, he doesn't even understand what he can become. And then again, for something you've already brought up is, you know, Jeremy Anderson, who I credit for getting me in, in my senior year in the best shape of my life, man. Like I, Jeremy was huge for me and just how I thought, I developed as a basketball player and I know like that the work that they're probably able to do is huge. And I obviously haven't seen him in person, but from what I've seen just in games and progression, he looks great. Like he looks like he's coming along very well. So I'm interested to think, to see, what do you think of where he's how he's come along and where, where what's he going to play for you this year? What do you see his optimal role being?
2: Yeah. I mean, we'll start him tomorrow night and and he's earned that. Um, you know, he's put on 30 pounds, I think, since, since last year. He still looks skinny, but he's put on 30 pounds. Uh, I just think, I think we have to be careful with the expectation level we place upon him. And I think it's human nature, like, all right, you know, he played as a freshman mm-hmm. and now he's a sophomore. And because we have all these young guys, then Ryan's got to go from from here to here. I mean, the reality of it is big guys develop a little bit slower. It's just, It's just the way it is, Uh, and he's still a very young player, Uh, and he's, he's had moments where he's really good. I think the one thing that he's improved immensely is his voice. Like, he has become louder on the floor. He's demanded that out of himself. And as you know, Jordan, when you have a big guy back there, that's talking early and loud on ball screens, it just makes your job as a guard a lot easier to navigate all those different screens. So he, he's been, uh, he's been terrific in that regard. Uh, He's been very efficient uh, around the basket. He's, he's worked hard to develop his perimeter jump shot and as taking some of those in, in games. And I think you'll, you'll see him shoot an occasional perimeter jump shot throughout the course of the year. Um, and then defensively, he's, you know, he's so good at the rim. You know, he, he, he blocks shots, he changes shots. Um, and then, you know, ball screen defense, he's smart enough that we can change up coverages and he can figure all that stuff out. So he, he's opened up, uh, you know, he's pretty quiet and pretty laid back last year and and he's, and he's came out of that shell a little bit which has been good to see. Um, he's going to be a great player. I think he's, I think he's got a chance to be an NBA player, but it's going to happen slowly. And, and, uh, but he's, he's a much better version of the player that played in that sweet 16 game uh, back in, in March. And I think he's going to be a much better player by the time we reach March this year. So I'm really excited about him and, you know, love what he's doing. And, and he's really stepped in, to a leadership role probably before he's ready to um, because the situation requires it because of all the young guys on the team. You know, he's, he should be asking me questions where he's got a bunch of people tugging him on the shorts, asking him questions. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's handled that with a lot of maturity. Yeah. I think though, if we
0: listen to you, none of what you just said should be surprising because you've always told us throughout the years that, you know, big guys develop at a slower rate than the wings and guards do. And one guy that I think <clears throat> kind of is exemplary of that is like an example of that is Keyshawn Wiesel. Like, I think there's, I know I've had lots of conversations with people that they look at his his stats at Mississippi State and McNeese State, and they just figure, um, you know, he's maybe going to play somewhat of a limited role, but he's got experience. So that's where you want him, at, you know, and, and in depth. But he's been better than that, right? Like, he's a guy that's going to be tough to keep off the floor at times, isn't he?
2: No question. And, uh, you know, I can't remember the two guys' names, but I think he played behind two pros at Mississippi oh, State. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that's a big reason that he he didn't play there. And then he, you know, Jalen at the time, I think, was the video coordinator there. Uh, and when he went over to McNeese State, uh, he followed him there. And, you know, he, he really fought some pretty serious back issues uh, mm-hmm. last year at McNeese to the point where he was, you know, almost had kind of a Grant Gibbs type practice schedule where he you know he'd play in a few games and practice once a week or twice a week maybe but that's about it Mm. Uh, and and to you know to Jordan's comment earlier about Jeremy Anderson the combination of Ben McNair and Jeremy Anderson have really helped alleviate those problems and I'm shocked but he has not missed a practice yet he's practiced all 29 practices and you just you see it and him being able to do it every day and get those reps, how much better he's gotten. And, you know, again, another guy in traffic that can go get a rebound. He's strong. He's physical. Uh, I think he'll be able to do some of the things in ball screens that you saw Christian do a year ago. Uh, it is a great compliment and change up to what Ryan is uh, because, you know, Ryan's got, you know, the seven, four wingspan and, and length, uh, but not necessarily great foot quickness and, and Keyshawn has great foot quickness. So, um, you know, he's, he's probably been one of the more, if you had to, if I had to pick one surprise, uh, you know, that would probably be the one that jumps out on me. Mm -hmm. he's, he's he's a much better player than what I anticipated. And I thought we were getting a pretty good player to start with. And he's just a, and Matt, you've been at a few practices. So, you know, that this is a great group of guys, Mm -hmm. like a great group of guys, like they are fun to be around every day. Um, they are they're connected. Uh, they really uh, celebrate each other's success and pick each other up when they're having tough days. And you know, from the seat that I sit in, it's it's fun to sit back and watch that for such a young group. And uh, it has really made going to practice fun every single day.
1: Speaking of fun,
2: guys, you know,
1: one of the last guy we got here, you know, is Modestus, who I was able to play with on his visit play open gym with and one thing that stood out to me with him just from just playing then was he's explosive then you know and so I think with everything he's gone through and kind of adjusting to his role and what that may be for this year uh what have you kind of seen from him and where do you see him kind of fitting into this lineup I guess and yeah. and putting up
2: yeah modestus, modestus is probably not has not been able to come back from the injury as quickly as Mm Rati in terms of, you know, an injury like that, it's, you know, there's, it's part physical, but it's also part mental, Um, you know, and, and to your point, you know, Modestus was a really good athlete, had really good balance, really good quickness. I've started to see some of that in the last week to 10 days that I didn't see the first four or five weeks of practice. And hopefully that's a sign of things to come. Um, and, you know, Modestus just has to get stronger and, you know, he and Roddy both needed a a growing learning year last year. And unfortunately they didn't get it. They, they didn't, weren't able to get here in the summer and they got here and they quarantined for three weeks and then somebody got COVID and they quarantined again for 10 days. And, you know, and then they get, then they tear their ACL and they're shut down. So, um, you know, he, he's got some work to do. Uh, but he's not afraid of the work, and you know that's what's going to give him an opportunity uh, to be productive. I think when his number's called, so um, it's been a process for him. It's been a, it's been hard for he and Rotty, uh, just because you you just don't trust everything. And you know you think back to uh, in, in Skur, I think pretty sure you you were on the team when we were in the Caymans with uh, Martine, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Come, coming off that ACL injury. If you think about that tournament and the year that Martine ended up having that year, we didn't even hardly use him in that tournament because he was so ineffective. And Jacob Epperson was terrific in that game against Clemson. And, uh, but then you fast forward you know, to January and February and Martine gradually got back to his old self and then some, but it just, it takes a while when you come off an injury as significant as that. And you know, I've seen signs of Rati and Mo both going through a, a similar process. Um,
0: before we wrap this up a little bit, I wanted to ask you about like some identity based questions. Uh, I'm not, so we we probably don't think there's going to be a whole lot different offensively, at least until you kind of see your weaknesses exposed, I guess a little bit by some opponents, but defensively, because you guys have more length physicality and probably can, um, handle the backboards a little bit better than maybe the teams you've had recently, Like, what do you feel like the identity of the squad is on that end of the floor? And how have you seen them, like, kind of grow into that defensive system as this preseason
2: practice is going on? They've done a great job, and there's still breakdowns. And, you know, probably the breakdowns is, like, you have to communicate, and you have to communicate early if you're going to be a successful defensive unit. And sometimes our communication is late. Sometimes it's not loud enough. Sometimes it doesn't happen at all. And those are things that we're working through. Uh, but these guys are competing. And and to your point, we have the ability to make, maybe erase a few mistakes because of our length. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, maybe turn over a team a few times uh, more than we normally could. Um, and, you know, we've toyed with some different defenses. Uh, we're, we're kind of, in the early stages of those because we've had to move pretty slow uh, because of the number of new guys we have in the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we have, we have to be about, you know, what we're always be about. Like we we've got to guard the ball, Uh, you know, we we got to make sure we don't give up second shots, not giving up easy baskets in transition has always been something that's really important to me. And, you know, it will be to this team. Although, you know, last year we didn't offensive rebound very well at all. So there were times we were getting three, four guys back in transition against certain teams. Um, We're going to attack the glass a little bit more with this team. And I, I think, I think that can help us, you know, maybe generate a few extra possessions per game that, that we're going to need. But um, in terms of offensively, you know, Matt, the way we're gonna play is the way we're gonna play. We're gonna play fast. Yep. Um, we're gonna make some mistakes because of it. We're gonna shoot some threes and some nights are not gonna go in and people are gonna wonder why they shoot so many threes. Well, that's who we are. That's what we do, that's where we're going with this. So we're gonna to have to grow through it. You're going to have to grow through some nights where you where you don't shoot it great, um, because the last thing I want is guys that aren't confident and guys that feel like their coach doesn't believe in them. Because if, if that's the case, then we're not going to move forward as fast as, as, as we need to. And uh, and, you know, I think this year more than any, I think it's important for myself and my staff to positivity is a word I've used a lot. Around our office, just because you got a bunch of young guys that are still trying to figure out their way, and they've got to know that we're on their side and that we have their back, and uh, that can be challenging sometimes because you know we want we want results quicker, mm-hmm. uh, we want it to happen faster than maybe it naturally can happen. So we're gonna to have to bite our tongue some. Uh, we're gonna to have to you know let them kind of grow through some of these mistakes, but I think it'll pay dividends in the long run. I really do. Gotcha. Jordan, you got know anything?
1: Yeah, man. I just wanted to ask because I know we, we touched on it earlier, but I just think the biggest thing is especially from – because last year, you know, closed off a big year and we touched on how there wasn't a lot of celebration behind it and what have you. But I think in transitioning to this year and you having – like it being a such a younger team, I think one thing I've always admired is you've always embraced every year all of your teams, the identity of them, no matter what, and you embracing them as a younger team. I think what's been the most fun about this year, what have you embraced the most about having this new team kind of after the year that was last year. And I know it was challenging as it was. Um, I know fans are back and all that with this new team. So has it been fun to just embrace that? What, what do you think has been,
2: the, uh, you know, the, the, the
1: part that's gotten you going?
2: Yeah, it's a good question, Jordan. I, and I've actually thought about it a lot. Uh, but it's, it's prop, you know, I, I got into coaching because I like to teach. Uh, You know, I, I played for some coaches and I, you know, Al Marshall in high school, and then Jim Barry and Eldon Miller in, in college, and then worked for Rich Glass at North Dakota. And they, and from them, I learned the value of like how the fundamentals of the game impact winning and losing so much. And, and if you can teach proper fundamentals and get and and get guys to understand, you know, how to play. And and here's the why. I mean, you know, it's one thing to tell somebody what to do. It's another thing to explain to them why it's going to help us and them be successful. And, you know, this year, it's really forced me to, you know, rethink my practice plans, rethink the pace of what we're working on things to make sure that I have to do what I have to do what's best for my team, not necessarily what's easiest for me. And with those veteran teams, you basically can take the practice plan out from the year before and you can, you know, practice one from last year, you make a couple changes and flip a couple drills, but practice one this year is exactly the same mm-hmm. uh, because then I know by the time we get to the first game, I've got everything done that I need to get done because I've done it enough times this year. I've really had to take a step back and okay, what, what do we need to emphasize? We can't emphasize, 30 things or we'll be average at all of them Mm. you know so we practice rebounding every day we practice verticality every day we've guarded the ball one-on-one every day we've we've done passing drills where we're communicating one more every single day and you know hopefully some of those skills then start to become ingrained in our guys and to me having to think about that and think about all right how are we going to mold this young team with not a lot of veteran leadership to help us. And, you know, it's, it's, it's about us as coaches taking on some of that role ourselves, but also coaching guys that maybe aren't quite quite, isn't quite their time to be a leader, but we have to help them become a leader, whether they're ready or not, because their teammates need them. As you know, Jordan, you know, there's, there's certain things that are more impactful. The same thing said from a teammate could be said from a coach and coming from a teammate, it just hits you totally different. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have those guys, then there that leaves a huge void in my mind. So we've been coaching our leaders as well this year and getting them ready for what we think this team needs. And that's that's been enjoyable for me. It's been fun for me. Um, and you know, I think if if this if this team continues down the path that they've started the first thirty days, they're going to be a team in seven or eight years that we're going to be talking about like the teams we talked about earlier tonight. Uh, They have a chance to be that special. So uh, I'm really excited about it. It's been a lot of fun. And now it's time to, you know, play the games and uh, it's going to be great to go in that arena tomorrow night and, and see all the fans there and, you know, engage with fans once again, you know, see the, DJ's dugout and Addie's and the Hilton bar and the Marriott bar—they're all full when I drive past to go to the game, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's all blue, and that's that's something that that's a void that's been missing for the last year or so. And I can't wait to have it back.
0: Yeah, that's the. I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's I was going to mention. Like, this is like it's business time tomorrow, and I understand like wins and losses are going to keep you up at night, and all those film sessions—you're not going to get much sleep over the next. Few months, but I do hope you're able to do something that coaches just don't do, and that's just like take a minute to look around that arena because I know it happened with volleyball when the when you heard the first roar, like that first moment that just happened organically where the crowd just like sprung to react to something that happened, like that's gonna mean something tomorrow because of the year that we just went through and not having that to a degree. So hopefully you're able to at least not think about the ball screen covers that just got blown up right there and just like kind of appreciate being around the, the 17, 18,000 again.
2: Yeah. And, and I almost feel guilty that, you know, that there was one fiber in my body that probably started to take fans for granted uh, because we've been so blessed at Creighton uh, and in this community, the way they've supported us in good times and in bad, you know, we've had championship teams and uh, you know, we had a team, seven years ago that really struggled to get off to a good start in the big East. And, and, you know, we come home to a game against Butler when we're 0 and 8, the big East, and we have 18,000 people there and, you know, our fans are special. And, and until last year, you don't realize how special it is because playing in that building without fans was, we weren't very good at home at times. And it's because they were missing, you know, that was, it's such a big part of who we are mm-hmm. and our identity is our crowd. And, uh, I look forward to having them back and, and we're going to need them to be crazy this year. This young group's going to, they're, they're going to need to stand on the shoulders of, uh, of our crowd at times when, when we're struggling. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm confident that our crowd is, it's a very educated basketball crowd, as you know, and uh, we're going to really need them this season, especially in the early going as we you know, try to figure some things out. And these guys try to get some of the jitters you can imagine how they're feeling tonight. Probably not a lot of sleep taking place for those young guys tonight as they are anticipating uh, what's going to happen at 7 o'clock tomorrow night.
0: Um, Jordan and I, by the way, are big fans of the uh, quarter zip and khakis look, so love Huge it. fans. Love the new uniform to look for the coaching Well, can, Thanks mean, can for being a trend co- center.
2: Can you believe at Big East Media Day that those other 10 coaches dressed it inappropriately? Seriously. Like they the- I was so- no. I, I saw what they were wearing. I was like,
1: oh, they must have not got Max Memo. That's right, what yeah, was. what's yeah. going on?
2: I mean, everybody, yeah. Is, so, man. I mean, I, I asked the question when we discussed it. Uh, we discussed it on one of our Zoom calls about what we're going to wear this year. And I think we finally decided, I think somebody said, it. maybe Barry Collier or Butler said, we don't want to get in the business of telling coaches what to wear. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can wear whatever you want to wear. And I think last year we found out how comfortable it was and how easy it was. Seriously, and, you know, We're, you know, we're putting our arms around guys that are in a full sweat. You know, like, why do we need to wear these expensive suits to do that? Yeah. So I asked the question, what about media day? And I remember Val Ackerman asked John Paquette, John, what's the media think for media day? And John says, Fox has no preference. On whether you're casual or in a suit. Well, that's that's all I needed to hear, Skur. That was it. I like that.
1: No, I like it. I'm with it because I do. Like that's what you should. You're, you're at a basketball. You're a basketball yeah. coach at a game. Like, yeah. With that whole yeah. arm around the players thing, I always felt. Hey, it makes sense. Yeah. You look more comfortable. The next I'm rocking time, you- with it. Yeah. I'm with it. I'm, I'm behind
2: you, hundred percent. Someday you'll see me in a suit and a. Casket. That's oh no! I don't want that one. I don't want that. If I can have my way, that'll be the that'll be the next time I wear one of those. So uh, uh, the casual look has been great, and as you can imagine, Johnny McHugh's come out up with some pretty good outfits for the boys. So it'll be fun.
0: Yeah, McHugh always gets the fits right for sure. Um, Well, hey man, we appreciate your time. We know you're a busy guy, especially right now with everything getting ready to tip off. Um, So we appreciate your time coming on and breaking down the roster for us. We did want to give a birthday shout out to Mama Skurr because without her, literally, this podcast is impossible. Absolutely.
2: So. I was I was texting her. Uh, I sent her a, a message early this morning. She texted me back this afternoon. We were going back and forth, and I told her I was jumping on with Jordan here in a little bit and was looking forward to catching up. So yeah, no, so happy a- to hear that she's doing well and her health is good. And uh, mm-hmm. uh as you know, Jordan is as I battled, we've battled cancer in our family as well. You just you're blessed. Uh, you know, that, that some of the things that an event like the pink out and coaches versus cancer events across the country that are raising money to, to fight this disease and to try to find a cure and try to improve treatments and, and figure out a way to, to be better at early detection. It's, you know, it's the reason that your mom's alive and my wife's alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get, we can't, uh, we can't stop the fight. That's an important fight. And, uh, uh, we've got to stick with it, but I was thrilled today to to hear that Maria's doing great, and I echo Matt's comments on wishing her a very happy birthday. Yes,
1: yeah, she's always still she's still thrilled to get the birthday text from Coach Mack, especially a day before the first game of the season. She was like, "He's got a game tomorrow," and he still texts me. I'm like, "Of course he did, mom. You know he is." And That's so, right. Yeah, no, we always appreciate it. Um, so happy for just her health and everything we've been able to get through this past year and all that so excited to get to tomorrow to the fun of it to blue jay basketball happy to have you on here appreciate your time tonight
0: sure
2: yeah always good to catch up yeah anytime and you and you remember scur like you know you're a member of the media now so you have a lot of ideas of Mm -hmm what we should have done after the game. Like if you've got ideas, I want them before the game, like after okay. the game, I know what the hell went wrong. I don't need to hear from you. What went wrong. I need, I need that advice before the game. Right. So I got you. Uh, <laughs> I got you. I've
1: never, I've never really the, after the game, I'm I'm more just m- Matt to the crit- critical one. I'm just, I, I call yeah. it like it is. We, I, we I play just our call it like I see it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, you you guys, you guys the are the
2: best. We, we appreciate the relationship that we have. And, uh, uh, look forward to, to a great season. Sounds
0: good. Thank, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um want to thank Greg McDermott for being generous with his time. Um, for Jordan, I'm Matt. This has been your Scurry of the Scrub, Creighton Basketball Preview. Look forward to seeing everybody at the arena this year. Take care. Let's
2: go. Let's go.